Welcome to Wolfpack Career Chats from NC State University's Career Development Center, the only podcast dedicated to providing NC State students with current, relevant, and thought-provoking ideas that will challenge you to think about your future. Whether you want to know more about what hiring managers are really thinking, or you just need to hear an honest and encouraging story about overcoming obstacles to reach your goals, we've got you covered. Wolfpack Career Chats is just one of the many services we provide. Whether it's career fairs, on-campus interviews, co-op opportunities, or more, we are here for the pack. Hello, this is Marcy Bullock. Welcome to Wolfpack Career Chats. I am delighted today to have Julius Blue on the line. Welcome, Julius. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to have you. Julius and I met about four years ago when he was a student at NC State studying electrical engineering. And Julius, you took my career exploration class back in the day. I did. I did. And I'm so happy we've kept in touch and I've been able to watch your success story. And today we're going to talk about some interesting things that are happening. We're recording this in the middle of July and we're going to air it pretty quickly due to the timeliness of the Black Lives Matter movement. And we're going to be getting your opinion on that, uh, as well as a lot of other things related to what's going on in your career path. So to start us off, Julius, tell us a little bit about yourself in the elevator pitch format. Okay, so my name is Julius Blue. I'm from Gastonia, North Carolina. Uh, it's a smaller town outside of Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, and I graduated from NC State University in May of 2017 with a Bachelor's of Science degree in Electrical Engineering. Uh, I currently work at Duke Energy as an electrical engineer. And there, I work on their ADMS system, so it's their advanced grid management, um, very power-related, um, very engineering focused. Um, and far as fun things I like to do outside of work, I like to do a lot of projects and really just do a lot of handy man work around the house. Keeping everything fixed and, and working in the house. Ooh, that sounds, that sounds like a great hobby, Julius. And going back to your days in college, I know you had some interesting extracurricular things you did outside of the classroom because you were studying very hard in a tough curriculum. But tell us a little bit about what you did while you were uh, back on campus in Raleigh. So one of my major things I did, I was a part of the Films Committee, which was Union Activities Board, a little subcommittee of that. Um, and, you know, we have a campus cinema, uh, and we'll bring in movies and new showings and just kind of help keep the campus cinema rolling. Um, and I'm pretty sure they still show movies there today, but back when I was there, movies were $2. They show three or four different movies a, a weekend. Then we even got like primetime movies that'll come out. Um, another thing I was part of was I was a co-op ambassador. So I did a co-op with Duke Energy, which led me to my full-time job. But I basically went and talked to college students and really promoted the co-op program in that state. I love that you plug that because, of course, you know I work in the Career Development Center where my colleagues are working hard to ensure students get experiential education through co-op. So we're delighted that you were part of that leadership team. And we're both in this situation now where we're recording this during a global pandemic while we're working remote. 
and I know our lives have all changed a lot since March. We're also recording this just a few weeks after the killing of George Floyd. And so I want to dive right into your thoughts as a black male on the Black Lives Matter movement and what your opinion is about how that's affected you as a person in the work world. So, Marcia, I'll give you a, just a crazy story that happened to me just two days ago. I live in Charlotte, but my parents live in Gastonia. Uh, and my mother, they're a little bit more elderly. And I was going down there about two days ago, um, and I had misplaced my keys. I uh, went around to the back and knocked on the door, tried to call my mom, couldn't get in touch with her. <clears throat> and I was standing in my backyard. Next thing I knew, I see five police officers come out, guns drawn and everything happened. And they started asking me these questions like, you know, do you know who live here and everything? And I said, this is, you know, my house, I have a residence here. This is my mom. And, you know, before everything happened, he had to pat me down, make me drop my book bag. And, you know, you don't really feel like you're as affected um, by a lot of those things you see in the press. But when you're actually put in a situation where you see a police officer with guns on you, it kind of flashed forward in your head. It's like, hey, I don't want to be one of the statistics. A lot of those individuals, some come from various backgrounds. Some, like the, the one individual that was an accountant, uh, some kind of accountant, he had a, a various background compared to George Floyd, compared to Sandra Bullock. So that was a very unique experience for me because at that point in time, I was thinking, hey, no matter what I was going to say or what the situation was, I felt like they saw me as a perpetrator before anything else. Um, and not saying that any of those cops were racist or anything, but I've seen so many things in the media that I was really fearful of my life. And I know it was all just, you know, one big mistake. This is so heart-wrenching, and, and it's only a few times it gets captured on video. But like you're saying, this is a normal day in your life when it happened to you. And we, we want our listeners to understand what is going on in the world. And also, we want to hear from someone with your perspective on what kinds of things we can do to support the Black Lives Matter movement. So one thing that, you know, really stuck out for me was I went to NC State, and they do a really good job about this. They have these African-American symposiums um, once they come to campus, which is like the weekend right before move-in, and you have, um, you know, a lot of African-Americans are able to acquaint themselves with each other and kind of learn about diversity on campus. Um, but one thing I did, you know, I thought I, was, thought I was going to a very diverse culture, and I wouldn't be seen as like a person of color, so I decided not to attend those. And when I didn't, I knew throughout my college career that I struggled with identity. Um, in all my engineering classes, there might have been 200 people in there, and only 10 of them were people of color. Um, and even when I applied for jobs to go to career fairs, you don't really see people or know people personally that look like you that are in the positions and the roles that you want to be in. So I would say the biggest thing is just support, um, not from, you know, only the black community, but everyone in general, just I don't know, understand the oppression and where we're coming from and, you know, where we have to go to really get there. How much courage and help and assistance. And a lot of people think of that as like hand-holding. But reality is we really don't see people in positions that we want to be at. When we go out, we feel like we're being persecuted. 
But just to take that simple step back and understand our past and our history and really just have a sense of sympathy for why we feel that way, I believe that can really further the movement. And I think hearing your story here will will help with that because, as you mentioned, you came in and you had all these opportunities. We have things, and this, this may be new since you were a student, Julius, but we have the Black Male Initiative, which is a resident hall, and there's so much support there. But like you mentioned, you didn't take advantage of some of it, and do you regret that? Yes, uh, for sure. And like I said, the biggest thing that I regret being a person of color, when you go off and especially when you hear things when people talk about, um, I can't think of the term, but it's basically when you're allowing people to come in because of like the certain backgrounds and things like that. Uh, Marcy, I, I know you have to know that what that term is. Is where they get preference to some individuals. Like an affirmative action or? Yeah. So okay. due to affirmative action, and coming as a person of color, you don't want to be that guy walking around labeled as a person of color. You just want to be able to go to school and blend in like anyone else. So that's the reason why I personally didn't want to partake in it. But, you know, I honestly didn't understand the challenges that I was coming up against. Like, you know, going through a whole other community, being around not just people from Gasoline or Charlotte, but people from all over the state and all over the country. And that had to be really hard, Julius. Like you said, you saw 10 people of color and no role models to inspire you. And you mentioned that you struggled with your identity. Um, tell us a little bit more about how you overcame that struggle and maybe advice you would have for college students experiencing that. So honestly, just kind of reach out and being in clubs and just start to talk to more individuals. Uh, when I was at NC State, they have a huge, what they call NASPE chapter, National Society of Black Engineers. Like I said, personally, when I went into college, I did not know many black engineers. I didn't know any. And just trying to develop those professional contacts, too, didn't know any. But NC State has a huge National Society of Black Engineers chapter to where a lot of black engineer students come together. You have members of the community that engineers come together. You have companies that come together, and they're really promoting hey, we have people like you. And not only do we have people like you that are engineers, we have people like you that are in higher-up positions. You can succeed. You can go further. Um, like I said, one thing that I explained to some people when I first went to college, especially as a black man, I saw that, hey, I could be some kind of entertainer or I can be a sports player. But I never saw many black engineers, black doctors, black lawyers. So <clears throat> that was one program that I really liked at NC State. They were showing that, you know, we do have a lot of black professionals here. Um, and that was one of my biggest ways of kind of overcoming that, getting this sense of community. And this is amazing that you decided to pursue engineering, considering all the role models and what your vision was when you started. What inspired you to do that? Honestly, um, my first movie that, that inspired me to be an engineer I watched this movie called 21, which is about um, a group of MIT students taking blackjack games. So that made me start becoming interested in, in um, engineering. And then I just started, I knew I was always good at math and science, and I didn't want to be a doctor. <laughs> so, so that was about the, that was the main reason that really drove it to me. I can get out in four to five years and make decent money. 
So you were motivated really to, um, to have a good lifestyle for yourself and you work so hard and you've been so successful. What has it been like navigating your career path the last three years? Um, do you feel any kind of sense of community? I know you're working at Duke Energy. Do they have support now that we're in July 2020 and this movement is happening? It's such a different world now. They have support, and one thing that a lot of corporations do, they come out with these computer-based trainings that, and all these diversity trainings that help individuals, but I believe there should be a little bit more than that done. Um, one thing, like I said, when you look in a lot of management positions and higher positions, you don't really see too many people of color. Um, and I also kind of feel silently judged at times, not necessarily seeing anyone has come out and said something to me. But as a person of color, when you're in the room, you know, you want to make sure you express yourself very clear, concise, and not intimidating. Um, due to my statue, sometimes um, if I'm experiencing, uh, I guess, some kind of combative nature, I always think, hey, you know, these guys might think of me as like the big angry black man. Or I know my girlfriend, uh, she's also working on my team here in IT as well. And she always said that people call her sassy and just like these little side comments that they wouldn't say to someone that wasn't her color or her sex. And, you know, that really bothers her. It's like you're almost putting a certain pool when you do certain actions. But if someone else were to do those actions, they wouldn't be classified as that. Oh, gosh, I can only imagine that would be exhausting, Julius. And what? What do you do when that happens, when you feel this, uh, this prejudice is coming towards you and you're being silently judged? Is it something that you hold in or do you confront people? Uh, I wouldn't say I confront people because, you know, I honestly believe that people, you know, are all good people. I wouldn't think that someone's like, hey, trying to do something to me just because they didn't mean. I think we've become so accustomed to that kind of culture to where everything is okay but one of my biggest um things to deal with is just kind of talking to other individuals of color at work and just trying to figure out all right how do you navigate this or one big thing duke started with a mentorship program and just so happened my mentor is african-american male and he's in management and i asked him hey you know what's it like being like this as a manager how do you rise above how rise in his ranks how are you able to conduct yourself where you're not coming off as aggressive or combative? Like I said, one of the biggest examples I think of was the example my girlfriend used is an angry black woman. Like they always say, oh, you know, if she's um, kind of combating what you say, it's like you must think that she's angry or she's very aggressive. And that's not the case at all. She simply disagreed with you. Exactly. And and this is so important for people to hear these stories and to hear you being vulnerable about some of the challenges that you faced. In your current situation now, what would you what would you say that it is like? What are some things that are supportive to you and what are some things that you would like to still see some improvements on in the working world? Um, the number one supportive thing I would say is trying, um, my biggest concern when corporations say, Hey, we want to increase the number of diverse candidates or we want to 
get that risk pool. I feel like they just come out with these very extremist and crazy ideas to try to do that, but they don't really focus on the individuals that are within their company. Um, when I say it's like increasing mentorship, um, being able to create a safe space where you can have these conversations about the culture or the work environment. Uh, honestly, I feel um, like if I had a conversation with my manager say, hey, you know, I feel uncomfortable. You know, I just don't believe you will understand where I'm coming from as a person of color. Not saying that he wouldn't react to it, but it's like, hey, you know, I had this interaction today. Can you understand where that would be offensive to me or where it'll kind of make me feel uncomfortable? And I don't believe they have those kind of understandings. And honestly, I don't know the kind of training that they will have to go through to get that, but training is definitely the biggest thing that they had to focus on. Well, I know one resource that we have had on our campus just even before everything happened back in February was Ibram X. Kendi came to speak at NC State, and he's written the book, How to Be an Anti-Racist. And I would recommend that to our listeners because it does give a really important perspective. Are there any other resources that you like to listen to, maybe podcasts or any books that you think would help people to understand this better? Ours, books, I cannot say, or podcasts. Um, I, honestly, I just feel like a lot of the resources I have is just my colleagues are people of color. Um, they're honestly the best people that I have that can relate to me and just understand what I'm going through at times. Yeah, and I think what you said earlier about this fact that you have you have a mentor and that is helping you and that is someone that you can look up to that you see looks like you. What would you say to college students? They're they're about to start their their semester. Maybe they're going to be in engineering and they're a person of color and they're coming during, you know, the COVID class, so we're all going to be wearing masks and social distancing here in August in just uh 3 weeks from now. What would you want them to know from you about the systemic racism and how they can deal with it? I'll say the first thing will be the imposter syndrome is real. And that's something that I dealt with personally. Like I said, being a person of color, you don't feel like you equal up um, to the standard that's given. Or sometimes some people you make sly comments like, hey, you might have it was easier for you to get this job or get this position because you were someone of color and it wasn't full of your credential. But I would say that all the kids of color, especially when I say the NCC, you don't need anyone to validate you. The school has already validated you. You're all very smart, very intelligent. You just really need to take initiative. You can basically do whatever you want. If you just um, put an effort into it, you can do whatever you want. You can be whoever you want. And that's the biggest thing because, like I said, the imposter syndrome was the one of the biggest things for me and that I know most people of color face. They always think they're, they're less or they can't achieve something. And you're so hard on yourself. And just to hear you reinforcing the fact that you have potential, don't underestimate yourself, that, that means a lot. We are going to zoom now into the year 2040, Julia. So you got to add 20 years onto your current age. Do some math here. And what advice would you give to yourself 
now? What do you need to hear, especially around this topic? And where do you hope we'll be at that point, maybe when you're looking at the next generation that you want to be able to say? I would say continue to aim high. One thing that I knew is once I got out of college, once grades stopped, you, you know, you don't really have much more motivation for really becoming an overachiever. So you're in college, you're like, hey, I'm trying to graduate, I'm trying to get a good GPA, I'm trying to get a good job. But now that you're working, you have the opportunity to, I can work and fulfill my job duties and, you know, go home with a paycheck, but to really rise in the ranks and flourish in a career, we have to put in that extra time. We have to find that drive. And some, yeah, I've just now started to discover it myself. I had to basically find that drive that I had in college to go above and beyond. And I didn't really understand how to navigate the corporate world, especially as a person of color. Navigating the corporate world is so hard for me at times. I didn't realize how political it was. And you just have to basically learn how to have um, effective communication skills. That's another thing. Uh, when I was in college, they really drilled in our heads, hey, engineers need to take public speaking seriously. And honestly, I did not take it that seriously because <laughs> it, mm -hmm. it was a night class and, you know, just something I didn't take that seriously. Well, how often will I need poetry? But storytelling and be able to effectively communicate actually is one of the biggest advantages, especially when you're a person of color. Because if you can effectively communicate to someone, you can tell them your wishes, um, you know, what's troubling you, how you're uncomfortable. And once you effectively communicate, it's out of your hands. Well, a lot of times I feel like we have issues communicating. So before we even have a chance to try to solve the problem, we're mixed on what the problem actually is. Very wise words, my friend. And I think you're doing a pretty good job right now on the communicating. So you must have been getting something out of that class. I, I'm so grateful that we've gotten to spend this time together. You've mentioned some really important things for students, such as the National Society for Black Engineers, NSBE. Did I say it correctly? Yeah, NSBE. NSBE, yes. Yes, yes. That's a, a fantastic one. We will put a link in our show notes to that so that uh, some students will have advantage to hear your advice and to reach out for that support. Thank you so much for being with us, Julius. The NC State Career Development Center prepares and empowers students to identify and pursue their career goals. Stop by Pullen Hall to learn more. Thank you for listening to Wolfpack Career Chats, and we hope to see you around campus. Have a packtacular day.